0: What's up, people? Another episode of Justice Forge. Jamoke Davis here with you. Lost my voice a little bit on Tuesday, so I didn't have a show. Probably could have communicated that on Twitter. For the one listener. Maybe five, ten. You know. The loyal ones. <laughs> Coming up on Just For Sport, we are going to discuss what is alarming me and should be alarming you about sports right now. Why Formula One shouldn't have messed with the one formula that works. How Steph Curry has changed the game for better and for worse as we look back on his career now that he is the all-time three-point king. Why we should have all seen Urban Myers' departure from Jacksonville coming, but no one saw Deion Sanders stealing the best player in the country to his HBCU program. And I hope we see more of it. And of course, my NFL Week 15 Gut Check picks. I hope we see more wins. Yeah. But first, let's start with Formula One. I know this may be in a, a, a niche sport. But it's a big one worldwide. Maybe niche in America a little bit. But I follow it. And I'm not just following it because, oh, I'm rooting for Lewis Hamilton. No, I really started following it, as i mentioned before. I really started following it with Michael Schumacher. Um, Was the first race I saw with Ferrari. And I I don't know, I just, I was hooked and I started watching it more and more. But what happened on Sunday to, in my mind, Rob Lewis Hamilton of the championship, it's just a shame. Because it's tarnished what should have been the best race of all time. Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton tied atop the points leaderboard. Going into the final race in Abu Dhabi. One race for all the marbles. That's what it was supposed to be. And, of course, you expected some drama. But you didn't want it to be the drama that unfolded. And the sad thing is, Lewis Hamilton had the lead. Coming into the final lap. Yeah, there was some going back and forth. But in my mind, what really happened is it comes down to the race director, Michael Massey. And he rigged the race in my mind. He rigged the race for Verstappen. Now, this is what happened. Lap 56. Or or rather, let's back up a little bit. Lap 53, there was a crash. Nicholas Latifi crashed. The safety car had to come out. Verstappen pitted. Hamilton did not. Four laps left. Hamilton on old tires. Verstappen on new tires. Maybe Mercedes should have pitted before. But here's what happened. The message from race control was that lapped cars would not be allowed to overtake the safety. And there were five cars between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. And what that meant is Verstappen would have had to pass all five of the cars to even have a shot to get back at Hamilton. Red Bull was upset by that. But the rule is the rule and has been the rule. And under pressure, Massey, the race director, acquiesced to the Red Bull owner. Chris Horner, I mean, that's essentially what he did. There are quotes of the Red Bull owner saying to Michael Massey on the headset, why aren't we getting these cars out of the way? We only need one more racing lap. But the rule is the rule. And instead, Massey, succumbing to this pressure, let the five cars through so Verstappen could be right behind Lewis Hamilton. Oh yeah, that's exciting. Who doesn't want a one-lap shootout? That's really cool. Everything came down to one race. And because Michael Massey allowed himself to succumb to the pressure Max Verstappen yes with the fresh tires was able to overtake Lewis Hamilton so really it came down to tires too wasn't Max Verstappen was better than Lewis Hamilton on that one lap. I mean, let's not forget Lewis Hamilton is the all-time greatest racer of all time because he passed Michael Schumacher. I mean, yeah, it's cool for Max, as I mentioned before, from watching the Formula One show on Netflix, which I'm looking forward to this upcoming season. It's going to be amazing. But as I always... Yes, I have an issue with referees affecting the game. Well, this essentially is a referee that affected the game, and it's wrong. You can't just make up a rule on a whim in a race like this. You can't do that. You just simply can't do that. Mercedes, of course, has submitted a protest over the result and now on social media, everybody's upset. Toto Wolff's wife is even posting on social media being upset about it. I think there's a lot of people that should be upset. And I think it it's tough because I'm sure Formula One is gonna say, oh, well, we can't overturn it. We can't do that. But realistically, it's just simply unfair. There's a little bit of chaos. Okay, they got a little. Michael Massey probably got scared of what's worse. What will I have? Who will I have to answer to? Red Bull or Mercedes? And since the race happened, as I mentioned, Susie Wolf, she slammed the FIA because there isn't enough integrity. The formula, the FIA is going to conduct an analysis of the events that led up to it. There were certain elements of the sporting regulation that were totally ignored. that were totally ignored. And even though the latest reports says that Mercedes will not appeal the Grand Prix results, I'm actually not quite sure why. Mercedes is going to still get the constructors or uh, receive the runner-up and constructors trophy. And I don't like it. I mean, I got Mercedes' statement saying Dear Formula One community fans, they put out a statement. We left Dubai in disbelief of what we had just witnessed, of course, as part of the game to lose a race, but it's something different when you lose faith in racing. The reason we protested the result on Sunday was because the safety car regulations were applied in a new way that affected the race result after Lewis had been in a commanding lead and on course to win the world championship. Now, it was gracious of them to say to Max Verstappen at Red Bull Racing to express their sincere respect for their achievements this season. Um, It did make it exciting. They have won, the Mercedes team overall have won the eighth Constructors' Championship. I think the problem is, you know, for Mercedes, they recognize that even if they protest, it's not like Formula One is gonna go back and say, okay, sorry, we messed up. Lewis Hamilton won. I think that's probably worse for them, unfortunately. And so they're gonna stick with it. And that's disappointing. That's really disappointing. What did not disappoint was me seeing Steph Curry live, live in Madison Square Garden. I said it was going to be either in Madison Square Garden or the TD Garden that Steph Curry would receive his flowers, both in the garden. Passing Ray Allen for all-time three-point field goals made. And I'm excited. I'm happy that I got to see it. It was amazing. It was truly amazing to see it happen live in the first quarter. Steph Curry with one of his high rainbow threes has swished right in the celebration with his teammates, his coach, his dad, his mom, the crowd. It was cool to see Steph hug his dad and give him the basketball. I thought, you know, I, I thought the pause was long enough to celebrate what Steph Curry has done in Madison Square Garden. Oh, five minutes. Played a little video, which was really nice. It was done by Under Armour. Well done. And the game went on. After the game, all of the post-game celebration, to see Reggie Miller, who was calling the game, which was all, which also added to how special it was, Ray Allen and Reggie Miller holding their jerseys, waiting for Steph Curry to do his NBA TNT post game. Shout out to my guy Andy Thompson. He's a VP in NBA Entertainment, and I saw him still with a camera in his hand. So I love about him. He's been a mentor of mine. What Steph Curry has done. is just, it's not only amazing because of the fact that he took almost half the number of games that it took for Ray Allen to get the record of 2,973. And now we have a new three-point king. But Steph Curry's only 33. He may hit 5,000 of them by the time his career's over, if he plays into his 40s. I think if he can avoid injury and continue to have the green light maybe as he gets later in his career he may have to be a little bit more like Ray Allen he can't do to dribble around people and shoot as much as he can coming off of picks it might have to be a little bit more set and shoot the crazy stat that I saw in a shout out to the Washington Post article as well 50% of Steph Curry's shot attempts have been three-pointers. And in comparison, just 7% of Michael Jordan's shots, 21% of Kobe Bryant's shots, and 23% of LeBron James's shots have been three-pointers. I mean, you remember Michael Jordan when he did the little shrug after he hit. Dang, what was that like? four threes to start the game. I don't remember. Maybe it was seven threes total. And everybody's like, whoa, what's going on with Michael Jordan hitting three-pointers? Well, that's nothing to Steph Curry. 7% of Michael Jordan's shots were threes. Only 21 for Kobe. And that's Black Mamba. LeBron James doesn't really belong in the conversation. He's not a three-point shooter that way. Steph Curry took 788 games to get 2,974 three-pointers. Ray Allen took 1,300 games. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. And he is the greatest shooter of all time in my mind. Steph Curry. I don't know... If you will see his record being broken, like Ironman, Cal Ripken, you're not going to see it broken. The Boston Celtics, number of titles, you're not going to see it broken. Was it eight in a row? 11 overall? 11 in 13 years? The flip side of that is everybody thinks they can be Steph Curry. It has been beautiful to watch his game. And it's been awful to watch everybody else try to emulate his game. And that includes a lot of NBA players. I was was watching NBA TV the other day and they were talking about how like back in the early 2000s, you were seeing like five three-pointers attempted Per game. Maybe it wasn't the 2000s, but now you're seeing teams at like 30 three pointers attempted. Okay, it's a different game. The three and D player is really important now to be able to shoot and play defense. But when you look at the number of threes, and like there was a stat in that Washington Post article that last season there were almost twice as many attempted and made three pointers in the NBA than in 1996 and 97. 74,822 attempts. 2019 had the most attempts. 27,427 made. The mid-90s, heck, there were only 39,943 attempted. But it's almost gone too far because Steph is a generational player. So in my mind, for all of these other players out there that are trying to think, oh, I'm going to be like Steph Curry. No, you're not. But I understand. You got to believe. You got to believe that you may be that one player. But I don't see it. Only four players in the NBA, four that I feel like can come even close to what Steph can do with their range, pulling up from almost half court. Damian Lillard, James Harden, Luka Doncic, and Trey Young. And that's it. I mean, Buddy Heald made it to 1,000 three-pointers made faster than Steph Curry, and now he's not even really playing. So, you know, even for the player that thinks, oh yeah, look at me. I'm doing things faster and better. I don't know, maybe Trey Trey Young could do it. Maybe Luca could do it because they're getting the green light. I mean, Steph Curry probably would have done it faster, but he had a couple seasons where he was injured in the nineties. The nineties? Excuse me, two thousands. Said nineties. <laughs> But it's just simply, I just don't think it's possible. I just don't see it. I just don't see another player besting Steph Curry anytime soon. I don't believe it. What I don't believe, but I should have believed... Is that Urban Meyer is out as the Jaguars head coach? I mean, the writing was on the wall. Right from the beginning. I mean, come on. What? What couldn't have gone wrong for Urban Meyer in the one season? Hiring coaches that shouldn't have been hired? Arguing with players. Apparently one player saying he kicked him. Of course you can't forget the woman in the bar incident. It's just. It's just from the start. You knew. That this just wasn't right. And I know it's tough if you. own an nfl team and shod Khan, and you're trying to you know you want to win but this was such a bad bad hire for jacksonville and i guess you're glad it's over i mean he started when he hired and then had the 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 director of sports performance chris doyle chris doyle was accused of making racist remarks and bullying black players at iowa so then he had to have him resign the improper contact at OTAs that got the league to find Meyer and the Jaguars bringing in Tim Tebow to play tight end he had all kinds of incidents with coaches and players you know even I remember when the fact that the whole video with the Girl in the bar that kind of was a thing and then wasn't a thing. I think it was also more the fact that what was he doing up there? Why wasn't he back in Jacksonville prepping for the next game? Every man has a right to, you know, I'm sure players may go somewhere when they get an opportunity to get away. And somebody with that kind of money, yeah, I can hop on a private plane, go somewhere and be back. Just wasn't a good fit. And now it's over. What I hope is a good fit, and what I was really excited about, is Travis Hunter, how a top recruit, arguably the best recruit, quarterback, Travis Hunter. his number two ranked recruit in the country. Switched from his commitment to Florida State to Jackson State. The crazy thing is Florida State really put Neon Dion on the map. And that's got to hurt even more. That's got to hurt even more. Like, say it ain't so, Florida State. You're going to take away... Our guy? Now, granted, Florida State is having some issues of its own. But Jackson State is no Florida State. But they do have Deion Sanders as their head coach, pro football Hall of Famer. And Deion Sanders said that teasing early signing day that he was going to pull off something historic, and he did. Hunter, a 6'1", 165-pound prospect from Georgia. Georgia. He had been committed to Florida State since March. And he decided to flip the script. Now, what should be known is the fact that Georgia didn't get Travis as well. The quote that I like from Travis Hunter is first the fact that he talked about Florida State being a a beacon for him. That he always wanted to play for the Seminoles. But here's the one that I really like. Quote, It's a dream that is hard to let go of as in not playing at Florida State. But sometimes we are called to step into a bigger future than the one we imagine for ourselves. For me, that future is at Jackson State University. And that's just beautiful. When you think about the rich history for historically black colleges and universities, in football and in sports. Now Travis Hunter gets to be a part of that history. And the reason that's important is because let's not forget that black players were not allowed to play at most of these schools they're playing for and making money for right now. And the only avenue that a black player had was to play at an HBCU. I'd love to see more players doing that again. Could you imagine? Imagine if 50% of players right now that were minority, said, you know what? We're gonna go play for HBCUs, MEAC, SWAC. All of the, div- the divisions would be right up there with the, the power five. The MEAC might be a power five. The SWAC could be a power five. As of course, with Deion Sanders as the head coach, they won their first SWAC title since 2007 last month. And I hope Deion Sanders doesn't leave Jackson State. But that's a possibility. But something I saw, liked that I really liked that I saw on HBCU game day, there was an image that showed HBCU schools, Grambling, Morgan State, Jackson State, SCSU. Those four HBCUs have four Hall of Famers each. That's the same as FSU, UGA, Purdue, Stanford, and Wisconsin. More Hall of Famers than Auburn, Cal, BYU, Clemson, Florida, Michigan State, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina, UNC, North Carolina State, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Washington. So there's some schools that have more. Now, yeah. NIL has helped that a lot. Players don't have to go to the big schools necessarily to make money and to gain fame. I hope that the HBCUs, that this is only the beginning and we're going to see a change. I want to see a change. It didn't work out in basketball for Maker. Hersey Miller was at Tennessee State. Now it looks like he's going into the transfer portal. In basketball, in football, you got Eddie George as the head coach down there at Tennessee State. So you hope there's gonna be big things for that school soon. Shaq's son is out at Texas Southern. I mean, that's wonderful. I mean, that's really, really special. And I want to see more of it. Let's elevate these HBCU programs. Now, what I don't want to see elevating, as I switch topics again here, is what's happening with COVID. COVID is ripping, rearing its head across the country, across the world, for all of us. And it's a sports show. So we're going to drill it down to sports, although I know it's not just sports. But I also don't want it to be forgotten that COVID is still a thing. We got the Raptors reducing fan capacity to 50%. NBAs having to cancel Bulls games. NFL players or testing positive, I think it was what? Was it 37 that tested positive for COVID on Monday? That was a record. This is not good. The NFL is now thinking about changes to his COVID-19 protocols. And they're going to have to do that. They have to. Because the recent rise in COVID cases is not good. They're going to have to dial it back. And the reason they have to dial it back is not just because of the players, not just because of the games, but you, the fans going to the games, are at risk too. We don't even talk about how many fans may have gotten COVID after going to a sporting event. I don't even know if those numbers even really exist. I love that Toronto is changing its policy and reducing fan capacity. There were new restrictions in Ontario, and Toronto had to acquiesce. And I think that more teams should consider it. Because in NFL, when you start getting these star players, Baker Mayfield and head coach Kevin Stefanski have COVID. There's no discussion about postponing the Raiders-Browns game. But if I'm the Browns, I'm like, yeah, we need to postpone it. We can't afford to lose a game without our guy in Baker Mayfield. This is alarming. This is truly troubling. And I think we should see sweeping changes across sports. Of course, the one change we may need to see is more players being vaccinated. More of us in general in the world being vaccinated would help get rid of this virus. I understand some trepidation from players, people in the public, but it's alarming. And as we head to the playoffs in the NFL, the Christmas Day slate of games in the NBA, could you imagine one of those games had to be postponed because of COVID? Then we're going to see action? No, we need to see action before. There are only four games left in the NFL. We can't afford to all of a sudden, well, I guess the NFL can afford to do whatever they want. Teams can afford to do whatever they want. But we certainly don't want to see a situation where all of a sudden they're having to postpone games and push the playoffs back because the Cleveland and Raiders game is like, ho, 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 we're not playing this. Or a first place team is losing their bye week because they got to extend the season into the, the first week of the playoffs for the bye week. I don't know. Something may have to be done. If I'm the Browns, I'm asking to postpone this game. I want Baker Mayfield under center. We're not going to let COVID determine if we make the playoffs or not. We're going to let the play on the field do that. And so we need Baker Mayfield. So if I'm the Browns, yeah, I want this game postponed. But there's a trickle down effect for the NFL, financially and with scheduling. Well, so be it. That's what happens when you decide to play a game in the middle of a pandemic. That's what happens. But we'll move on as if the pandemic is over. And yet the number of cases are rising as if we were back in 2020. I mean, come on. It is, it's, it's getting worse. Dr. Alan Sills, the chief medical officer for the NFL, said that the virus is clearly changing. He said for the first time this season, the virus has begun spreading within buildings. And it had not been the case earlier in 2021. But you know what? Any given Sunday, who knows? Any given Sunday, we may not be playing football. Or they may not be playing football. Not me, of course. Okay, it's time for my week 15 NFL gut check picks. And as we look to make my picks... It's going to be tough because as I mentioned with COVID, you know, player here's out, player there's playing. Just heard that uh, DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to miss the rest of the regular season. What does that mean for Arizona? Lots going to go into this. But this is my gut check picks, you know? Just make a quick decision. So here we go. Kansas City Chiefs at the LA Chargers. The Chiefs are favored at minus three. They are roll Ling, I am going to stick with the Chiefs to win that game. I mean, come on, how could you not? We got the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, I just talked about the COVID issues. I don't know what's going to happen there. Cleveland is at plus one. But the Raiders didn't really look good last week. I thought they would play a little bit better. They've lost two in a row. They're six and seven. Boy. I mean, who knows? This game may end up getting postponed, although I doubt it. I'm going to take the Browns at plus one at home to get the win. It's a Saturday game as well. That's right. We've got Saturday NFL now. 830 Saturday night, Patriots at the Colts. That's going to be a good game. The Colts are favored at minus two and a half. Uh, But, you know, they say don't bet against Bill Belichick. They've won seven in a row. They're nine and four. By the way, as an aside, I really have been enjoying hard knocks, the Colts, with the Indianapolis Colts regular season, as much as I kind of rail on Carson Wentz. I've actually come to actually like him just from watching the show because you're getting to see a different side of a player, and I think that's really important. And, and if there's no better indication of that, then that's me because, man, I really, the Colts, you know, they're a little bit in my heart. I'm rooting for them. But against the Patriots, I'm going to take the Patriots at plus two and a half. The Cardinals at the Lions. Boy. Losing the, arguably, the best wide receiver in the game. The Cardinals did not look good last week. But it is the Lions. Uh, The Cardinals favorite at minus 12. I'll take the Cardinals at minus 12. No, you know what? No, no, no. Gut check, gut check. I'll take the Lions at plus 12, actually. One o'clock game on Sunday. Carolina Panthers at the Buffalo Bills. The Panthers are the underdog at plus 11. I don't know about that one. Buffalo's lost two in a row. I know they're at home, but they're not that good. I mean, I know you don't know what you're going to get with Carolina. They're five and eight, essentially out of the playoffs. They've lost three in a row. But minus 11? I should take that. I'll take that bet with the Carolina Panthers at plus 11. I just don't see the Bills blowing them out that much. Bills are heading in the wrong direction. Washington football team at the Eagles. The Eagles are favored at minus seven. I'm going to take the Washington football team at plus seven. Yes, they've lost one. But they've played some tough games of late. Uh, one, two in a row, as a matter of fact. 17 to 15. I expect this game to be close. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are one and four at home. Washington's three and three on the road. I'll take the f- football team at plus seven. Dallas Cowboys at the New York Giants. Now the Cowboys looked really good last week until the fourth quarter against the Washington football team. But they are favored at minus eleven over the New York Giants. The Giants have lost two in a row. They're but they're three and three at home. That's pretty good. The Dallas Cowboys are five and two away. I'll take the Cowboys at minus 11. The Tennessee Titans at the Steelers. Steelers at plus one. I will take the Titans on the road. The Jets at the Dolphins. Now this is minus four. Neither team is really good. They're not very good. But the fact that Urban Meyer is no longer the coach there, maybe you get a little bit more of a spirited team. I mean, something's got to give. Houston's 1-5 on the road. Jacksonville is 2-5 at home. I'm going to take the Jaguars at minus 4 to get the win. 49ers at the Falcons. Excuse me. Falcons at the 49ers. The 49ers are favored at minus 9. I will take the Falcons at plus 9 in that game. Bengals at the Denver Broncos. The Bengals are the underdog at plus 2.5. I'm a little bit confused by that. I know they've lost two in a row, but Denver's pretty bad. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Denver can't be that bad. I mean, they're not awful. It's just, I guess I just feel like their games, they're just a sneaky seven and six. That's my thing. But I'll go on ahead and take the Bengals at plus two and a half. Packers at the Ravens. The Ravens are the underdog at plus five. We don't know what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. The Packers are playing exceptionally well. I'll take the Packers there at minus five. Why? I don't know. It's a non-divisional game. Maybe the Packers don't really care that much. It's not that big of a deal for them. It's out of conference. There's no rivalry there. Oh, uh, boy. Baltimore Ravens, they're five and one at home. I expect them to win. But then it's like, for it's, the Packers, they're 4-3 and three away from home. They've won two games on the road. Uh, I'll take the Ravens at plus five. I think it'll be a closer game. Seahawks at the Rams. The Rams are favored at minus four and a half. I will take the Rams in that game. And then we have the Monday night game. Saints going to Tampa. The Buccaneers are favored at minus 11. Are the Saints that bad? I mean they're not a great team, but they're six and seven. They're four and three away from home. That's kind of a good thing. But Tampa Bay, man, six and zero at home. I expect them to get the win. Blow out the Saints. I don't know. But I'm not gonna bet against Tom Brady. I'm gonna take the Buccaneers at plus eleven to win that game. So there are my picks. Buccaneers plus eleven. Rams minus four and a half. Ravens plus five. Broncos minus two and a half. 49ers minus nine. Jaguars minus four. Dolphins minus nine and a half. Titans minus one. Cowboys minus 11. Washington football team plus seven. Carolina Panthers plus 11. Detroit Lions plus 12. I'm taking the Patriots at plus two and a half. And I'm taking the Browns at plus one. And there are my gut check picks. Whatever happens. Let's hope we get, we make it through the regular season without any postponements. I know it's hard. I'm not, it's ridiculous for me to say no more positive COVID tests. That's going to happen. But everybody stay safe out there. If you're going to a game and same for the leagues, I hope they're making the right decisions in whether to play or not to play. That'll do it for Just for Sport. Hey, I got something new for you. I want you, before I end the show, to check out one of our new partners, Prize Picks. As you know, I have been here with. Props Network, Props HQ for a while, and I just want to say welcome to a new partner in Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the best legal way to play player props in states like California, New York, Texas, and more. You can play daily fantasy, pick two to five players, and an over and under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. What can go wrong? A lot can go wrong, but a lot can go right, and that's why you play. Check out prizepicks.com, and there's a link in the tweet. Ciao for now.